Kia ora and welcome to this episode of the Stag Roar. This episode is brought to you by our mates at Modern Pirate, 100% carbon neutral. Modern Pirate makes an amazing range of men's grooming products. And if you're one of our Aussie listeners, then you've probably seen them in your quality barber shop. I've used the pomade in their matte clay paste to style what hair I have left. And their charcoal soap is the business. You can get 10% off every order by simply entering the code STAGROAR at checkout. That's lowercase S-T-A-G-R-O-A-R. Look good and support yet another quality Kiwi export that the Aussies are sure to claim as their own. Check them out at modernpirate.com.au. That code again is STAGROAR. Good everyone. Just like to tell you about Real Movement. You can get a discount of $25 on your membership if you enter the code STAG at checkout. It's not a contract and it just might change your life. It's what sort of got me moving, got me motivated. I've been a massive follower of Keegan Smith since, oh gosh, 2012. We've had him on the podcast twice and the program that he has, the resources that he has um, are just fantastic. Make sure you message me from within the members portal and again, check out that code which is in the show notes to get your discount on your first month membership with Real Movement. Kia ora and welcome to episode 155 of the Stag Raw. This episode I'm joined by my good mate Helen Woodworth. We talk, uh, I don't know, all things really. Um, life, social media, ultra running, firefighting, diving, it's all there. Um, yeah, hell of a chat, awesome person to be mates with and uh, yeah, I hope you get a lot out of it. If you do, flick us through a message on the old DMs on Instagram either on the Stag Raw page or at Stag Ryan, and of course reach out to Helen and say you heard our episode and yeah, that I sent you. Enjoy episode 155. Cheer. So, yeah, that's good. <laughs> right, kia ora everyone. I'm joined by Helen Waterworth. Hey, how are you? Good, I'm good. <laughs> Mr O'Connor. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, what did you do on the weekend? <laughs> What's today? Monday. Monday. Uh, what if I, well, I'm in beautiful Hawke's Bay. Um, what did I do on the weekend? Oh, I went for a, a run yesterday and yeah, how far, <laughs> how far? Oh, just 50 K. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 50 K. Um, crisp morning out to Waimarama. Yeah. Um, along the, uh, Tuk river. So that's really beautiful, yeah. Why did you casually run 50k? Oh, I'm currently in training, but, you know, why not? Why not? <laughs> day, day on the legs. No, um, training for a, a 100 uh, in October with a, a friend, um, the Taupo Ultra. And then obviously, you know, but I've got a big, big one in January down south, so... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, so on... What day was that? Saturday, when I was running down Tomato Peak and going bugger over, this isn't far enough, which is stupid. Um, I was like thinking about yourself and Justin and and Kane Briscoe, and I came up with the if someone ever asked me like what advice would you give someone for life, I'd be like surround yourself with savages. Savages, <laughs> yeah. Because I, uh, knowing you guys are in my sort of circle of influence 
was like, oh, I've got to keep running because because of you guys. And basically... Um, Tomato pig's nothing to shake a stick at, though. Oh, but it was, it was nothing in the scheme of things, which was funny because I used to live at the bottom of Tomato Peak. You know, uh, when I first got here, I was like, right, I'm going to run up and down it. And I injured myself. And so to, to, to like, to like knock the bastard off, so to speak, on, on Saturday was was pretty good. Come a long way in a year, but... But everyone starts somewhere too, you know. Yeah, it's right. And sometimes you can have a hard 5K and an easy 20, so it's, it is, every day's different. Yeah, I am learning that. But, um, yeah, you're, you're partly to blame with why <laughs> why I'm stupidly doing 101 because I was sort of growing up in That's South... That's in Christchurch, eh? Yeah, yeah. Growing When's up... that? January? January the 9th. Yeah. You're growing up in Southland, the Kepler Challenge is in the newspaper every year, which is something you've done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people like Lisa Tamadi, um, Steve Gurney used to be my hero growing up, like the coast to coast and stuff. And then more commonly now there's like Courtney DeWalder and Zach Bitter, who I've had the Great privilege. people to follow. Yeah, had the privilege to interview Zach Bitter. He's such a champ. And um, Les Tamari, you know, just so awesome. And then when I was talking to you, you're like, oh, I think I'm going to do this Aotearoa Ultra. It's 53K. And you're like, well, what's the furthest? What's the furthest? <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, 101. And you're like, always into the furthest. Next day, what do I do? <laughs> into the furthest. <laughs> Where do you get Love that it. idea of always into the furthest? Um go big or go home like I, I don't i don't know like i've done the luxmore grunt as well yeah. and i've i did i've done that before the kepler so um and that was 28k yeah so i definitely think you know um there's something magical about going for those i mean there's nothing to shake a stick at 50k either but um i always think if you're going to test yourself and put yourself through the mental game to get to a distance like that what's 100 what's 70 what's go do the biggest one <laughs> you're gonna go all the way down there to do it you know you might as well go and smash the biggest <laughs> and that doesn't really make sense but it's oh good. yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> so so what, what have you done so far running wise and when did it start uh, I had this conversation with Dave Perry actually not long ago. Like, where did the running start? I don't really know. I kind of stumbled into it. I love the mountains. You you do the peak and then you want to go higher, um, and so you start chasing higher. And you find that by running and taking less with you, you can go further, see more. Yeah. And so it just developed into mountain running and trails. Um, a lot more to see, getting off the road, I guess, and some beautiful country. Some amazing races that take you over some incredible land you'd never get access to otherwise. Um, the atmosphere of, of a trail run and the races is cool. Um, just doing it for yourself is even better if you're into the New Zealand outdoors, conservation, all that good stuff. Um, first race I did was the Tarawera uh, 50. And that was a shock to the system. And um, I actually swore I'd never do another one. Yeah. And I was broken afterwards. Um but somewhere along how the line... Bro- how, just how broken. Don't move too quick. Uh, how broken. <laughs> I had a thing called nerve bunching, which I didn't even know could happen. Um, and I was on crutches afterwards for two weeks and needed physio to get back. Limp. And that was that was 50. Like, And I ran 50 yesterday. So you, you can definitely adjust and train the body and get back up on the horse, that's for sure. Um, 
yeah so putting yourself through that and then seeing yourself achieve it you all of a sudden you think i can actually do a lot more yeah. and so you don't stop you get back out there so yeah. had you done any like halves or common marathons or prior yeah a couple of 20s i'd never done was that training or yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> Since then, I've, I've taken myself and, and with friends and entered in other trail runs around the country, Cape Kidnappers, uh, Waitama Caves. Um, yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. Really cool people out there doing it. All kinds of characters. No, it's, um, like I said, it's always been an attraction for me and I gave it a go at Marathon after I got out of uni and the physio basically said, do you want to be a rugby player or a runner? And at that time, I still wanted to be a rugby, a rugby yeah. player. But now, I'm no longer a rugby player. It's kind of like the excuse is gone. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and the itch obviously hasn't disappeared either. So, scratching it in the worst way possible, I think. <laughs> Man, you're doing really well if you're running too. That's <laughs> no, good. But it's funny how, how you say about how for seeing the wilderness, you can see it faster. Like, obviously, Dave and I walked Makino Saddle, Makino River, out the Mohaka over the space of, I think it was four or five days at New Year. And obviously we were hunting as well, but, you know, that was sort of plodding along, not going too fast or anything like that. But, yeah, now after doing that 13K on Saturday, I kind of look at that loop and go, that's a day mission and I can get through all those traps in one, one day and so I can, you know... Could do two birds with one stone and actually, you know, save save some birds. To be honest, <laughs> but um, the track up there is beautiful, yeah. and I've I've definitely run around there myself, and it's a great day out. That's mm. beautiful. Yeah, you should do more of it. Yeah, I've, I've, it's <laughs> like now yeah. firmly in my sights. What do you take? Say you're going to go um, on a loop, so you're going to go back to your car, but out in the wilderness, what are you taking in your backpack, camel pack? Um, so the correct answer would be <laughs> mum and dad uh my yeah my located beacon no um in all seriousness i i'm quite minimalist minimalist yeah so some simpler better um i take i do take my cell phone yeah um for service and try not to take too many pictures because i want to remember the whole thing yeah as opposed to being behind my camera but um i'll take an egg sandwich maybe a protein bar and a ton of water um that's about it maybe a buff and a hat yeah yeah not a lot did you try the um peanut butter slug yesterday i did have a go yeah fantastic goes good yeah that's good to know yeah thank you for that (laughs) (laughs) peanut butter's always a winner yeah yeah no it's it's good out hunting but i didn't know how it would go running that's good to know fast energy yeah it's all good those those things are easy as well. Just like whip off the top, wolf it down. Yeah. So when it comes to a long race, you know you like to be more natural rather than gels and stuff. How do you attack it? Uh, on race day, kind of for me, anything goes. And I know that goes against a lot of people's beliefs. Um, people think you should be training on what you'll race on on the day, hmm. um, and eating what's on at the the food stations along the way as well, so you don't get um, an upset gut yeah. and everything else. Um, oh, I, don't, I haven't done sugar or been on sugar, uh, when I say sugar, like 
uh, processed sugars and things like that for eight eight years. Yeah. So I, for recovery and for everything for me and energy wise, that stuff doesn't bathe well for me. So I try to run yeah as clean as possible. Um, on the day, however, I'll be smashing back the gels. I'll be having that flat coke <laughs> at, at, at a drop bag somewhere and. Um, I did the half Ironman with that same sort of theory and I was, because I hadn't had any sugar and on race day I had it, I was like, zoom, I was like, yeah, it was good. It really, it really helped me, but not, not everyone sees, you got to do what's good for you. you. You'll know when it comes time to training what works with you and what doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm excited to see how the ketones go, mixing with the carbs as well. Um my good mate Luke Taylor, who's been on here three times, he said he said that he used the ketones at about twenty k on his Iron Man, and yeah, yeah it's sort of something I want to target. And then like Zach, oh man, you should be asking the professionals about this <laughs> sort of stuff. Like, oh, that's what yeah. the thing about Zach. But it's interesting you say about how like, on Those the day the you do something different, yeah. and that's kind of like him. He's like most of the time he's eating eating meat, but then when it comes to race days, he's like using glucose tabs like standard mm-hmm. doses of, mm-hmm. of glucose to mm-hmm. just smash out 100 miles so fast yeah <laughs> yeah could only can only dream of what that guy can do yeah um you said about taking not to not taking too many photos how do you sort of feel about being in the back country and that interruption of technology um so my cell phone has previously kind of saved my life. Yeah. Um, so I do take it with me, especially because you have service on the tops. And if you change your mind about a route, you can let those people that uh, do care know. Um, oh, look, hey, if you come across something really neat, take a picture. That's why you're out there. Yeah. But I do truly believe that if you can go out for the day and not have to look at it or even listen to music or a podcast or whatever then you're 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 completely in the present moment and then you're you're actually going to remember it. So a lot of the times when you you go to a concert or you go out and or, and you're behind your phone taking pictures, um, you don't actually fully embrace the atmosphere. Um, and yeah, you have some amazing pictures and you're like, "Oh, that's right. I did do that." But I think yeah, using your memory and, and keeping in the present moment as best as possible is, is the way to live. Nice. So not everyone's done a big run or even a trip in the backcountry, but that concert thing, people could probably relate to. Like, there's mm-hmm. no, nothing mm-hmm. worse than, um, especially when Snapchat was big, seeing someone's stories like a whole concert. You're like, did you watch any of that or experience any of that? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's yeah. Really, I think people can relate to that. Um, yeah. Uh, where do you want to mission to next in the backcountry? Uh, I have a trip tentatively is that the word yep. booked um into the <laughs> tararua's uh end of august um so really looking forward to that i think we're going to go in the arungarungas and and have an explore around there i would say it's probably armed tramping mm. as opposed to a hunt um but just getting out with some mates and um hitting some huts and having some good conversation and getting some fresh air um other than that i'll be i'll be doing my own sort of thing up in northland um yeah. With, with another good girlfriend, Aidy McKenzie, but when, when I can grab her and, yeah, so, oh, sometimes I don't know when I'm going to explore, it kind of just happens. Yeah. 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 So, um, your love for huts and maps comes from your, your nana? 
You mean? My grandma, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's in the family, the whole family, actually. Yeah, um, grew up tramping, and my grandmother, that's why I'm down here, but she's um, mad conservationist, given her whole life to Doc. Um, yeah, she's tramped every track in this country, and she could tell you anything about any hut mm. um, and any bird or any plant you'd like, so, yeah. Yeah, and you got a bit of a passion for that now yourself? Like... Yeah, definitely. And the older I get too, uh, it's become more and more important. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about um, your mission for Northland, which your police friend kind of advised you against. <laughs> 4 a.m. mornings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I have to learn how to navigate at night for this yeah. um, race I have in January down south. And um, so in the near future... I've been procrastinating it a little bit. I have to get outside and go out by myself uh, during night time, um, overnight even, and just get time on the legs, but also just kind of go bush um, and navigate and find my way. Um, so that's going to be an experience. But, um, yeah, I guess, like, it, it, anywhere in New Zealand at night can be a little bit um, dodgy. But, yeah, you gotta you can't let things like that stop you. So I'll get out and get some experience in that area. Yeah. And uh, hopefully you stumble across a kiwi, eh? And, yeah, okay, so life goal to see a kiwi in the wild, and I would die a very happy lady once that happens. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah top of the list. Oh, I, um, there's a more book around here, and every a couple of times if I'm up early enough, I hear it doing the square when I'm like, oh, yeah, that's not a kiwi. That's a more book. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I've been looking for them every time I go out, and um, I always hear them. But I haven't been lucky enough to kind of stumble across them, and I know people do all the time. But yeah, yeah. Um, how much night time stuff have you done? Like running, running, running stuff. Um, just the overhang from doing something during the day, but I haven't specifically gone and set out at night. Um, not for what I'm doing anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I know. Shit. The we remember my mate Daniel went to the Blue River. I don't know, it was just the process of me flying down to Queenstown, us stuffing around, getting our gear ready. We got to the Blue River car park and we started tramping and it, yeah, we got caught out in the dark and that was the first time I've sort of been, like there's a track there but it's not great. Yeah. Walking along going, oh I don't know how I feel right now. <laughs> but then now, I guess from doing it more and, and going into Macintosh earlier, going like I, when I was in my kid I used to go Kaimai's and and um, the little fellow blocks in the dark. Yeah, it's funny how exposure therapy works. Eh? The more you do it, the more you're like, oh, yeah, it's, oh, it's like anything, yeah. 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 And then same, same running out here. It's, it's pitch black sometimes. I run without my head torch under the moon. And, There's something quite and cool and calming about it, especially if you were to start first like thing in the morning and see the light come up. That's yeah. even better. Yeah. Yeah. Or see the sun go down on the other end. It's even cooler. <laughs> yeah. Did you start before sunrise yesterday or after? Yeah, start before sunrise. Yeah. Yeah, 6.30 I was on the cattle stop heading out. Um, so I saw the sunrise and it was, yeah, I'm sure it was below zero. And I haven't done a cold run in a while because Northland doesn't get that cold. So <laughs> <Interless laughs> there was a shock to the system, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so also with your social media, you, you try get off it when you're at work? Yeah, so... Um, Social media is great 
and I, I love it and I use it. I've tr I've traveled a lot, so I've got a lot of international friends and um, I'm away from my family and my family is scattered as well. So I like to post things for them to see and I also like to uh, lead by example. So if I'm doing neat things that I think people get a kick out of, I like to share it like everyone else does. Um, but I do truly believe coming back to living in the present moment and getting away from living in other people's lives and seeing what they're doing, you do need to separate yourself from social media because um, like everyone will find themselves doing it where they're scrolling, they're scrolling, they're scrolling. They'll go from Instagram to their email to WhatsApp to Snapchat to Facebook and then back to Instagram and it's just you're doing this recycle. Yeah. Well, it's, it's actually nuts and all of a sudden you go, I, I don't need to be doing this or what have I just done the last half an hour? You know, and so what I've been actively trying to do, um, and this is just a personal thing, um, is actually come off social media completely uh, during my working hours. So I work two days, two nights, and then I have four days off. So during those working time, I'm completely off it. Um, and and that just allows me to completely be with my crew, be in the, in the work environment, and have my head turned on for what I need to do. Um, but also... Um, it's you're actually really living like you if you come away from it you can reassess like yeah you're in the present moment and then when you come back you realize you haven't missed anything yeah um and it's a good tool and you can catch up when you come back to it so but yeah everyone's different but i definitely think especially with mental health these days um coming away from it and living your life and, and knowing that there's a bigger life outside of social media that you're missing out on because you're living on your phone or whatever else. Yeah, well, that's just my personal feelings on it. Yeah, two, two things to that. Like, <clears throat> we are talking before how um, I'm seeing lots of patterns in life. And, and the podcast I was listening to on the way to work this morning, the, the guy's Jewish, so he is like a te technology Sabbath. So from Friday to Sunday, he's off his technology. And it sort of started out, he was, you know, a serial entrepreneur, um, answering the phone during dinner and stuff and his wife was basically about to leave him mm. and so every year uh, so he has, still has four weeks holiday like a lot of people do and on those weeks holiday he's completely technology free fantastic and then, yeah now every weekend he also goes without his technology and he's, that was exactly him and Tim Ferriss were kind of saying like it's amazing how even half a day away from it you're just like whoa yeah. there's his yeah. life his life yeah real life and like working on, out on the farm yesterday, I still was listening to stuff, but not having any reception or not having yeah. any like messages yeah, I or think something. Listening to podcasts and, and YouTube and learning and growing and listening, like everyone listening to other people's conversations, that's awesome. Yeah, I don't believe like that really comes down to social media as such in regards to overusing, but maybe it is too. Yeah, but like you can definitely get bombarded with information and. Um, Especially with my long drives to Auckland, I've started like changing it up, getting audiobooks, and even like I downloaded Spotify again during during COVID and like listening to music again. Um, like right now, for some reason, I've got this song in my head. <laughs> I don't know, my brain seems to run on different tracks sometimes, but yeah, like I always have like a theme song to my life quite a lot of the time. Theme song to life. Who doesn't? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the um, second thing. About especially about social media, I find, and I try curate my page so that people are inspiring me, not making me jealous. Now, 
the hundred people I follow, I'll get kind of jealous because I wish I could be on this. It wasn't adventures, but that's it's just FOMO. Yeah, but that's just yeah, that's just FOMO, and Share I and I know that, and it's like, man, my hunting bucket list is so big, but I'm gonna get through it, and it takes time. It's it is it's like inspired's a good way to yeah, say that. Inspired, yeah. it's like you know, hunting's about patience. Grass is always greener on the other yeah, side too, yeah. right? So yeah, that's right. But the the real key thing is that um that comparison is the thief thief of joy. So. If you're inspired by something and it, you know, motivates you to do something, get after something, well, then that's, that's all right. That's a positive. But if you're, like, jealous and, and and woe is me, I guess it also comes with that, like, living above the line, below the line thing. If you're taking, like, responsibility for yourself and your emotions, then you're above the line, you're feeling good, you know, you can be proactive. But if you're, like, woe is me, oh, this is not fair, oh, why aren't I doing that? Well, then you're below the line and, and you make yourself miserable. <laughs> but, like... Being away, being away from social media just really cuts out that decision thing. Um, I think Jocko calls it. It's like a no, no, no thought or something like that. No, no contest thing where it's just like it allows you to really, really hundred percent, no distraction. It's, yeah. And, yeah. And it's and I guess it should be used as a tool. Yeah. Um, and it can be, and it can be positive, and it's a way to connect. And it's a good way to network and it's a good way to learn. Um, but like anything, there's negatives and yeah. you've just got to be aware of it and you've got to be aware of it in yourself. Um, and, you know, what you're looking at, what content you, are you looking at, um, I think that, that plays a big part. So, yeah. yeah. I was having a chat with a mate last Tuesday and that's what we were sort of talking about. Like, what are you, what's the tool you're using social media for? And, like, you know, I'm... I met you through Dave and like um, obviously you know Fitzy and Justin and and we all sort of like talk through it then and I sort of like minded say, people yeah I was like yeah exactly like savage crew <laughs> 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 and, and I was like I was saying to him I was like I don't I have found myself less and less um, scrolling vertically I'll like go across the stories a bit and just sort of check in off like the people that mean stuff to him they get the uh the logarithm kind of works in my favor in that way because the people that i interact with i see their stories yeah but even now less and less i even look at look at stories now like you know that's it's time filler yeah it's not the rule but what's my buddies up to yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah what, what are they doing but yeah i it i use stories to then and i, I love it that you can message on stories to like start up start up yarns with people yeah. and, and like that's that's how that's how i use it but yeah definitely the amount of times that you snap yourself out of it and you just go what am i doing it and being away from it it's great and like um for a while there i was i was really sort of dependent to like posting three times a week but shit my stagrime page has not had a proper post like i've posted the podcast it's not had a proper post for like weeks and i'm like I like feel real good about it. And life goes on, doesn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. It's like, yeah. I've actually done quite a lot of things in the last yeah. two weeks, but haven't felt, felt compelled to do a post about it. And like, that's where I think the story's quite handy because it can be like, you know, snip it and be done. Yeah. But I also think the other thing about stories is like, even if it's two minutes long, you know, that's quite a lot of time. That's like, Oh, that's 120 seconds and there's 84,300 seconds in a day. That's bugger all of someone's life, isn't it? 
It's a hell of a calculation. Oh, I just know that number. <laughs> I just know there's bugger Scientist. All. No. <laughs> That's what I do. Yeah. It's more like, you know, if something, like today, um, I, had, I had a couple of Monday-itis moments this morning. I was like, well, they were just moments. You know, there's so much more. And the, the day, day goes on. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. You know, not, not getting hung up on, on the day. Um, so you said with the event that you got in January, there's the need to operate through the night. Yeah. 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 You're, as I've said already a couple of times, you're a savage. You sometimes do these... Um, what do you call it when you pick up someone else's shift? Pick up somebody else's shift? Yeah, and then you like do a day shift and a night shift. What's that called? Oh, like a 24 hour? Yeah, I'll just straight up. 24. Or like an overtime. Overtime, yeah. 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 Um, do you think, I, I reckon, that's going to put you in good stead. You know how to operate. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to explain our shift system, but... Um, you have the option to, to work a 24-hour shift, but it's all above board. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, so The Revenant, yeah. uh, for those that don't know about The Revenant, it's it's not something you really um, go around boasting about. It's 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 a, it's a New Zealand's hardest race. Um, I was lucky enough to interview and get in, and um, they're only taking 40 people for this race. Last year they took 21 Three people have completed it, ever. How many times has it been done? Uh, I think this will be the fourth, third or fourth time. Um, <laughs> it's quite an undertaking. Um, my closest friends and crew know about it. Um, it's based off the Barclay, Barclay Marathon that was on Netflix series, uh, a race in America that seems to be the hardest one that people don't tend to finish either. But... Um, anyway, so it's on Welcome Rock Station down south. It's uh, 200 kilometres, if you navigate right. <laughs> um, should be, should yeah, be yeah um, so 16,000 um, is elevation change. And um, you've got 60 hours to complete it in. So there's checkpoints you need to make, hence the navigation um, that I need to practice on. And... <laughs> Yeah, so all, all my running these days, are, I've got that in the back of my mind. Um, it's the race, what is their, their motto is, um, a true challenge is when failure is the most likely outcome. <laughs> and there is a bottle of whiskey that you get to have a nip of at the end if you are so successful. And all kinds of characters from all over the world try to get to this race. Obviously, it'll be a little bit different this time around because internationals won't be able to make it um and this year they're calling it the celebration because we got through the COVID in new zealand yeah um touch wood but um no so i look forward to going down um south of queenstown in january and being surrounded by like-minded individuals that want to test the mental test themselves it's not a race against each other but a race against yourself yeah um and I feel super lucky to be a part of it. Um, I try not to do too much overthinking or self-doubt. Uh, it'll be what it'll be. Um, I know the guys that did complete it didn't sleep the full 60 uh, hours. Um, I don't want to get this wrong, but I think there were a lot of military personnel and special forces people that pulled themselves off the course. Yeah. 
so I know my work's I've got my work cut out for me um but that's a challenge in itself as well so Total for civilian forces. <laughs> yeah, so, no, that's my, that's my, um, I'm a goal setter. So, um, so that's my, my thing for January. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think you went into it um, with Dave, like you guys talked about the um, Sky Tower run, and you, I think you sort of dared Dave to enter, which, I don't know. I hope you wrote that down, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually have to look at when um, and if they might run that event again. Yeah. And I know that there's a day for civilians and all kinds of people to have a go. Yeah. And I do challenge um, <laughs> Mr. Dave Perry to give that a crack. You mean? He'd kill it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so, yeah, as I was going to say, you didn't really let on how good you did at, at the old Sky Tower race. Eh? <laughs> place once or twice oh fire <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no that's a I don't know if I'll do it again um but that's a cool event and it raises money for leukemia and I definitely know they'll be oh, I think they might have even set a date I, I couldn't tell you but I'm pretty sure it'll be up and running again shortly when does it normally happen May 18 around that time yeah um so obviously this year it's been passed up but I'm 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 pretty sure they'll be tackling that again shortly. So how, like within the firefighter community, how is that sort of, is it something that most people try and get into or it's, it's still like a special group of people that go into it? Um, they, have, they have a couple of events up the Sky Tower. Yeah. Um, for firefighting, um, it can be volunteer career, it can be Air Force fire, it can be airport fire, um, Everybody comes together, and and the the main goal is to raise money for leukemia. Yeah. Um, and a lot of there's a lot of money raised. Like it's a really cool event. Um, and then they have a dinner at the end where you can buy tickets, which also go towards the leukemia, um, fundraiser. So yeah, like I, I mentioned in Dave's podcast, it's it's a cool event. It's a hard event. Um, it's warm. It's heavy, <laughs> and it's it's t- it's real cool. Yeah. yeah, you meet a lot of really cool people. And like, just help people understand how if you've got oxygen on and you're... Ear. Your ear, sorry. sorry. Ear <laughs> on. Yeah. And you're using it, mm. but you're exerting yourself. Mm. Like, what's the time pressure is on there? <laughs> well, it depends as well. So obviously fitness plays a big part. The size of you plays a big part. Your fitness, um, how much work you put into it. Um. Yeah. But like, there's breathing efficiency going on there, right? Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone yeah. run out of air? Yes. Yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. So your lungs will be twice the size of my lungs, right? So yeah. you're going to need more air from your cylinder. Yeah. Yeah. Can I carry a bigger one? <laughs> <laughs> it's all standardised. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. So there's no way. Even though you think you could carry more, you could get around that. No. <laughs> no. How heavy is a standard cylinder? I think it's about uh, 16 kilos. Nice. And then yeah, that could be... Oh, I'd have to correct me on that. But you also have a steel option as well, which is, is heavy. So that could be the 16 kilos, but I'd have to check in on that. Yeah. But that's that's another category in itself. Yeah. What's the difference? It's steel is heavier. Just heavy. Than a composite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Sounds good. <laughs> well, maybe you want to do it with Dave. Yeah, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you're really going to have to do it, mate. No, I saw, um, oh, that's March. I saw Triple Peaks March next year. It's open. Oh, that's dangerous. <laughs> I think that's the thing. Once you start um, pushing the boundaries and seeing what you can do, it's almost like an addiction. You want to start signing up to all these races. and. Well, that's the other problem with running yeah. Tomato Peak the other day. I was like, oh, yeah, you just got to do two more of these. I was like, oh, don't, start, don't start thinking like that. <laughs> that's a good way to be. No, that's a good way to get your ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mate, you did um, uh, a well-being course the other day. And yeah, at work. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. You're a bit apprehensive to start because you didn't even know about oh. it. <laughs> it was that more of it, like you were just kind of thrown, like, "Hey, go sit down, we're doing some stuff." Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that it's still kind of touchy subject. Like, there's definitely a movement. Um, where wellness and um, well-being and mental health and and all that good stuff is, is coming around where it's okay. Yeah. Um, and you should be self-aware and self-assessing and, and, you know, all the positive stuff. And so, yeah, we actually had a day at work the other day and it was so good. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. What, what was your biggest takeaway? Like you, you're sort of saying about this here and... And that's what appeals to me as well. Like hearing um, that it's not just woo-woo stuff. stuff. I think yeah. from what I take away, um, it's it's it was real science based as well. Yeah. So, um, it was kind of like a holy moly moment. Like, oh, okay, that's really interesting because they they talked about like um, hormone levels and um, like your serotonin, your flight or fight response being exposed to things, and then. Um, and how that affects you over time, and and that everyone's reaction is a normal reaction, you know. Mm. And like I'm no I'm no doctor or anything like <laughs> that, and I I can't preach uh, exactly what was taught, but um, definitely that um, it's good to investigate into yourself and grow, however that looks. Um, and don't be too harsh on yourself for your your day to day thoughts. Um, like your your brain, you need to work on your brain like you work on your body in the gym. I truly yeah. believe that. And I think you should start first thing in the morning. And even, you know, like every single day you're going to have sometimes those doubts and those those thoughts that come up and um, they're not always positive. And you're like, where do these come from? Like, uh, you know, and so I do think, um, yeah, you, you, you should write your own story, not just be the reader. Yeah. Like you should definitely work on your brain every single day. Yeah. How how many times did uh, old mate come up yesterday when you were running 50k? <laughs> David Goggins or? No, no, just your, your old mate, you know. The one on your shoulder that tells you to quit. That you, oh, that you there shoot. was a lot of swearing going <laughs> along. Oh, in the last 10k. Um, so I'd actually organised for my brother, bless him, to come and pick me up at Waimata Mata Beach. Um, and I, my goal was either five hours or 50K. Yeah. And there, I wasn't coming home until I did 50K. And he pulled up the car up next to me and I'd done five hours, but I was at 47 kilometres. <laughs> and part of me was like, just get in the car, you've done your five hours, girl, just, you're done. And then the other part of me on the other side was like, fuck off, you're, you're doing 50K, you got three bloody K to go, you were going to keep going. Um, so like, 
it's it's not easy to to put yourself through these things but um and you'll always have those highs and lows and there'll always be that inner chatter and that inner doubt and that but you you'll feel euphoria you'll feel pain you'll feel hopeless you'll feel awesome you'll go through all kinds of emotions and and battles and you actually go into especially with endurance I, I talked about this with a friend the other day is that you actually go into this awesome like trance yeah um, and your your body and your mental will get you there you've just got to keep moving yeah and just go with the you kind of had it on that 40 the other day as well I went you like time versus 40 and you're a little bit short yeah yeah so yes yeah, so i did 40k last week yeah and the same thing like you get you get into the 30s and you think i've still got seven or eight k to go and i don't think it's the i don't think it's the distance you know i think when you've set a goal and you're just going to go through the motions so like like you've decided to go for a hundred versus the fifty, it doesn't even, really matter about the distance. Even the other you day, you will do it. Even the other day, getting to the bottom of Tomato Peak, it was like six kilometers. I was like, oh, fuck, this is even halfway. <laughs> so like last week, eight k would have been your biggest distance. Ten k would have been your biggest distance. Yeah. Something like that, right? And so that was your your normal. And now you're doing sixteen k. That's your new normal. So yeah. I, I, I think that's the whole thing for life, right? You keep pushing those boundaries and make that your new normal. Yeah, and that's what I've, on the program. That's what I've sort of highlighted. It's like every time you go to a max, I've highlighted it, and every time then you have a deload week, it's like crap. That's the like start again week, and it's like, oh, I'm bloody yeah. excited. It's awesome. It's awesome watching you like ahead, like what you do and what you've gone through and stuff. And I know that like for me, it's gonna be, you know. It's a journey. Very, very like, similar, but completely different. <laughs> the, the, it's the whole thing is the journey up to the race. The race is just the bonus. Yeah. You know, whatever happens on race day happens on race day, you know, and, and people put all this pressure on the race day, race day, but it's the whole journey leading up to it. Like I'm running with this absolute legend, A.D. McKenzie, and like she's an athlete from way back and yeah. she is just the most positive person I've ever met. And we're just running and talking, and she said, and it's the most beautiful thing, like, run as fast as you can talk. And if you can't talk, you're running too fast. And that's the best endurance tip I've ever had. And trying to talk and run is like, it's work. Yeah. Um, but all of a sudden, 10K's gone by, 20K's gone by, 30K's gone by, 40K's gone by. We're still smiling, we're still laughing, and we're doing it together. Like, um, I don't know, it's... It's a, the journey. The journey to whatever you decide to do is the best part. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely going on that backside of Tomato Peak the other day. I was thinking about what you said about, like, run the parts you can run. And Walk the, the parts you can't. Yeah, it was only, like, one part that I... And that it's was, as simple as that. That was when, that was when like, my... It's not cold, but the remnants of my cold was really getting to me. <laughs> I was like, right, I just need to walk a little bit <laughs> but yeah no it's it's awesome having those little little tools especially from like that's how i approach like, the podcast is that if you have stories of people that have done it then it proves to you that you know maybe you can do it and again that's what's, 100%. what's cool like knowing you and, and seeing you guys train and it's like right so that's what's that's what's in my near future like it's, it's a really cool experience and um something to be excited yeah. for yeah and like, like you know, going back to those people that inspire me, like Cam Haynes and, and Goggins and Miss Tamani and stuff, it's like, it can be done. Like, oh, yeah. when people say, well, what the heck, you haven't even done a half marathon. And it's like, so what? Like, why not? Like, what? Well, I'm not special. This is, there's going to be other people there on that day that 
are going to race it. There's probably going to be multiple people there that are racing it for the first time, and then there'll be people there that have raced it before and are going out to like try and win all kinds of win, win the thing. It's it makes the race. It's going to be like, like like Kane said, you know, you're going to finish one way or another. I think it's just so good. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, being, being surround, surrounding yourself with savage people, I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty pretty good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, cool. So on that, like um, with kids and stuff, you've done some outdoor education in the place that I'm going to be running, so you know how hilly... Oh, the Banks Peninsula. Banks Peninsula is. Tell it's a hell of a place to do a 100k. <laughs> yeah, you, although, shall we do sixteen? No, it's, it's 16,000 of elevation And do you know race. what? You'll be, you'll be mesmerised by the scenery, yeah. so you won't be thinking about When I looked there, I always used to drive over to Governors Bay, yeah. and it's like beautiful, but yeah. And hilltop. Oh, it's... Yeah, that stole my heart. Yeah, Banks Peninsula. Yeah, so... Um, Tell me about dealing with a bunch of private school girls um, and taking them on a outdoor education. And, and... So I, th- I, look, <laughs> I look back on some of the things I've done and that definitely steps out as, as, as a huge highlight for me and, and definitely a passion of mine. Um, so obviously, um, for those that know me, I, I've done um, the outdoor instructor thing and thoroughly enjoyed it and, and passing on the passion for our great outdoors. Um, I did get the opportunity to start up my own program um, where I would guide 16, 16 year olds from St. Margaret's and uh, there was a, there wasn't actually many at St. Margaret's St. Right? Margaret's sorry no they were oh the most loveliest girls and um, so I designed this program for a week and I based it off I only had a week but I based it off my three weeks at Outward Bound when I was 16 years old, which completely changed my life and, and put it, it steered me into the direction that I, I'm going in now. But So I took these girls from day one and I made them hand in their cell phones, hair straighteners, makeup, watches, anything they had that would connect them with the outside world. Yeah. Um, took away all the superficial stuff. And you could already see that they were kind of in peer groups um, and, and clicky groups. And um, I made sure they had no idea what they were going to get for the the whole week. They kind of lived in suspense and had to adjust as, as the as the days went on. Um, so the moral of of the whole thing, like what we wanted to get out of it, was to break them down um, and show them what life is really about um, in regards to values and teamwork and, and how to treat each other and going forward. You know what is truly important. Um, and so, yeah, day one, separated them, made them sit for a solid hour by themselves with no distraction, um, spread them out all along the harbour um, in Wainui, and I asked them to decide what they want to get out of the week. And from then, it was just a week of um, awesomeness. So we did some kayaking. Um, we took them on a tramp. I made them sleep outside on a solo. So I think... Self-growth definitely happens when, one, you're forced to be by yourself. Get out of your comfort zone um, and also have to think when you're hungry and you're cold and you don't have the shelters at home. And it was fantastic. And at the end of it, they had to jump off the jetty and do all this team building stuff and jump in the cold water and they were grizzling and they were moaning and they were fighting and I would just sit there quietly and let them kind of go through the motions of the whole week um, to the end where... They were all so close. They were 
individuals, but they were also one team. There was um, some really good conversation at the end, and they didn't want to leave. And they, they had all said that they would take this into their life and that they would think about the pressures of home and how we worry about too much that doesn't really matter. So boyfriends not texting back and, you know, sometimes too much homework and social media and everything else like that. And that the real the real life was, well, one, the outdoors, but challenges and being resilient and being healthy and being respectful and, and all that sort of thing. So there was such good feedback from that week that St Margaret's then rebooked and it became like a thing. Yeah. Um, and so I take a lot away from that and I just think it's so good passing on that passion and just with one week how you can mould a teenager to go out into the real world and and hopefully <laughs> succeed in yeah. the right way with the right values with no excuses just to get after it attitude an adventurous Kiwi like it, it couldn't have been any better than that no that right there is <laughs> an awesome story I mean, when, when you messaged me today being like oh what do you want to talk about and I was like definitely about um outdoor education because like that's just the type of thing that I want people to hear um do you think the one thing that um you sort of said is like you got them out there instead of going through the, the emotions do you think like taking away like hair and, oh yeah gosh uh, makeup and hair straighteners and cell phones means that instead of reaching for the distraction and that's what I think um, a lot of this sort of cell phone, social media type stuff is that, and why our emotions and feelings end up so boiled up inside of ourselves is that when we feel something uncomfortable, we straight away have almost like a pacifier. Like we have our cell phone that we can just pick up, tune out, and see what somebody else is doing. And, and it's quick fixes, I quick think. Quick fixes. And, and then so What's like, the hormone that gets released when you get. It's dopamine. That's the yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, so you give yourself a dopamine. Yeah, we're all. All yeah. bad for it. And I mean, that's a normal reaction, isn't it? Yeah. But How much value do you think was it letting them actually feel their emotions? And, and like, like you, I've seen people do rock climbing or um, abseiling and just completely freak out, go through that process of freaking out, self-reason, and then abseil and get to the bottom and they're so stoked. And same with, like, climbing up the wall, like, no, nah, I can't do that. Oh, they, got, they can't, like, text their mate. Because we were in Waitomo and there was no, no reception or anything and we didn't have phones or anything. So it was like... But that that's the whole thing with adventure yeah. and getting yourself in, out, out of your comfort zone and growing. Like that whole process you just talked about. Yeah. That That's that's growing and living. Um, yeah. So letting them go through their emotions and everything, that's them having an experience. Yes. And a healthy experience. Yeah. <laughs> um, and something that they will take with them and reflect on and use going forward to any other hardship in their life Yeah. without even realising. Yeah. Um, this is, man, I've had a hell of a weekend of podcasts. Like, one was Joe Rogan with Andrew Huberman, who's like a neuroscientist, and he was talking a lot about the, the stuff that you had in your well-being stuff and also a lot of things I'm passionate about in optometry kind of works with ophthalmology a little bit. And the other guy that Joe Rogan had on was the... Um, owner of Tough Mudder and oh, actually cool. Spartan Race but they bought Tough Mudder he's Joe as well can't remember his last name but he yeah, you're actually head of the curve because he just during COVID got a bunch of his mates kids around to his farm and put them through the ringer 
And so he'd taken their cell phones away during the day, but he made the mistake of giving them their phones back at night. Yeah. And so after sort of two or three days, he sort of found out that they were texting home being like, save me, save, save me. Save me, get me out of <laughs> yeah. here. But yeah. he said once he found that out, he got rid of the phones completely. Mm. I think he said he had them again for like two weeks. And by the end of it, again, the kids didn't want to leave. They like wrote him like that was the greatest experience I've ever had in their life. Yeah. Um, like, Outward Bound, and, and my mate went on Spirit of Adventure. Oh, I can't promote those things. Yeah, like that was something I Especially always, teen, always yes, wanted to when do. When you're growing and making, yeah, yeah 100%. But I was like, um, just like with why I didn't really go hunting when I was at school, I was too busy prioritising, I'll call it that, sport. Um, what uh, about going through school sort of meant that, yeah, I'm going to go do Outward Bound? <laughs> like, was that the same time you were skipping school to go milk cow? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so oh i sent myself to outward bound um <laughs> yeah i was a lost teenager smoking a lot of weed um milking cows <laughs> sneaky way to from school to milk cows um and and i was a good kid i i didn't i didn't break the law i didn't really get into Puppies trouble uh, well, yeah, I was, I didn't break the law, yeah, I was breaking the law, sorry. Um, <laughs> no, um, I had no direction. Yeah. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was like, my situation has to change. Um, and I stumbled across a pamphlet in the bank of Outward Bound. So it wasn't and, even at school, like, guidance counts or anything? Nope, nothing like that. I it was like... <sighs> The sign from somewhere. Yeah. Um, it was meant to be. So no, I saw this pamphlet and I <coughs> flipped through the teeny little thing and I was like, "This looks amazing." Yeah. This is exactly what I need. I need to get out of my comfort zone. I need to go down for three weeks and be completely removed. And and that's exactly what happened. I went home and I said to to my my olds, I said, "This is what I'm gonna do." And they were like, "What? <laughs> Why?" <laughs> and I was like, "I just I need to." Yeah. And um. It's shaped my whole life. Uh, I came back and I was like, I want to be an outdoor instructor. I want to start running. I want to have no excuses. I want to be better. Like it was, gave me that hunger for life. Because you do a half marathon there, right? Is that right? Yeah. 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 I'd never run in my life. And that's an off-road half marathon too, right? Uh, it's a bit of both. Bit of both. Yeah. 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 You run parts of the Queen Charlotte. Um, they have you up at dark. I did a winter course. They nice. have you up at dark. You run and you gradually build. Um, and then you jump in the sea. And you have cold showers. No no hot showers. Yeah. I think that's um, what they do in Spirit of Adventure. Eh? They yeah. So it's, it's a whole, yeah, break yeah. you down, rebuild sort of experience. Yeah. I did a mind, body and soul course. There's many courses and yeah. anybody can go. But yeah. Yeah. One of my hunting heroes... And there's books around here somewhere. Greg Kygo is a is a instructor at Outward Bound for a long time, eh? Yeah. Oh. Sounds like a hell of a place. There is an adult course, eh? Yes, very. Yeah, yeah there's... I have, yeah. I have to sign up one day. Like, yeah. This, yeah. The Spirit Adventure, like like I say, that adventure course yeah. that you... Is, is that place still around? Which one's that? The uh, course that you instructed at? Is it still YMCA? Around? Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Wainui? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, something for those YMCA camps. I know there's one in Hanoi Ranges as yeah. well. Yeah, my uh, friends are actually running it now, so. And yeah. Peaks Peninsula. Yeah. 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 Sick. Yeah. Nah, it's cool. Maybe, maybe that's like, 
where all this sort of hunting outdoors is coming from that <laughs> desire as a teen and stuff that I never fulfilled it's all of a sudden like same with like yeah. I also think there's a natural instinct to to want to get out there like it's um like that paleo effect sort of thing yeah. you know like it's in our nature mm. to want to run the hills and yeah and do all that stuff so and like obviously you've you've come out here to the farm and unfortunately it's night time but just behind us is the main range of the Rohini's mm-hmm. and like having that on your doorstep is pretty powerful like yeah you, yesterday just like stare at them blueberry day well, that's pretty much what I'm doing. all right yeah. carry, carry on working <laughs> or yeah. like um i was taking the four wheel away down the, the away from the ranges and then biking back had to go slow because they had a whole bunch of um, posts on the back of the trailer and just cruising along just looking up at them and being like whoa where, where, where am i driving they are distracting <laughs> yeah <laughs> speaking of quads um and something I'm passionate about, destination farms. Mm. Yeah. What What do you reckon is is so? Why would somebody want to rock up to a farm to check it out and stay, and then obviously go take them off road on a quad bike? <laughs> why would somebody want to? Yeah. Um. Who's the Who's the actual target market? There. Well, I worked for Farikahau Lodge in the yeah. Wairapa for three years, and our our main clientele were wealthy, because um, it was luxury, yeah. was wealthy overseas people, mainly Americans. Um, but they wanted a, a safe experience, a little gourmet, I guess, with um, getting outdoors yeah. um, and everything that it had to offer. So um, people, people want to have that experience on a quad bike and getting out from their usual, again, chasing that unfamiliar, getting out of their comfort zone, getting a little bit dirty if they're not used to it. And I guess they they want to try New Zealand lamb and they want to see where it's come from, how it's been um, fed and maintained and then how it gets to their dinner plate. Not all of them liked that, but yeah. <laughs> um, they found out. Did you take them to the works? Or? No. Um, <laughs> so it leaves here and then it comes back like this. But also... <laughs> Um, it doesn't matter where you come from. I think everyone appreciates beautiful scenery yeah. and land. Um, and, yeah, destination farming is a, is a good way to go and experience that. Yeah. So, like, um, was there a chef there? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. what's it? It's a five-star luxury lodge. Yeah. Yeah. So, good dicks. Yeah. It was good. <laughs> it was a really great time. Met yeah. some beautiful people. Yeah. yeah. And so is that where you had your your four by four or? There was four wheel drives that we drove the yeah. the guests around in if they were to do a farm tour. Um, why, they... why do you say farm tour? Oh, Thomas? so they get to see <laughs> one sheep being shorn for yeah. them. Yeah. And they talk about we talk about the wool. You see a sheep dog run some sheep left and right, and just do some whistles. Yeah. So it's a very it's a snippet into what um, what farming looks like, um, and. It gives them, again, that experience of, of what it's like to be on a farm. And it's totally different from what they're they're used to. So it's it's interesting to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did it distract you a little bit from the actual farming or was it a good balance? Um, I said actual farming, again, in front of commas. <laughs> no, good balance, variety. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. the farm still needed to be run. Yeah. So you're still doing that and then you would break to then share your love for it. Yeah. With people that had no idea about it. So, you know, you're sharing that passion and, and making them aware. And then, you know, they take that knowledge and they become better people for it. 
because yeah. they'll appreciate the meat where it's come from New Zealand maybe conservation mm. you know whereas before they had no insight into that maybe they took it for granted yeah prior yeah yeah and had many of them eaten New Zealand lamb like no. trade in states no no oh, it's a good marketing little mm. ploy to um shit what was I gonna ask about oh yeah were they quite curious Ask about questions, you know, were they were the guests curious? Yeah. And did they like? I would say eighty percent of them. Yeah. Some were were either there for work, and it was just kind of like a tick the box, um, or 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 a accommodation option. Yeah. Um. But yeah, eighty percent of them were really curious, and and you that was up to you as a as a um a guide to build their curiosity yeah. and to get them involved and to make them yeah participate. I think that's the best way of explaining that. Nice. So, so to get to the point with some people that you were kind of like, right, I got to carry on, or like that. Yeah, like, I mean, there were the odd groups that they just they had no interest, and it wouldn't matter how hard you would work, um, you would just kind of like brief over things. <laughs> 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 and then there were certain things that you knew would would spike their interest or, or you know shock them. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. So then farming here, farming in Australia, how much how much difference did you did you? Well, I didn't do a lot of farming in Aussie. Yeah. It was um, the rousing in New South Wales and yeah. being part of the team. Um, that was really interesting. Um, totally different to New Zealand. Once again, hot. <laughs> um, the kelpies and the um, they were cool, and the wool on the merinos was tough. Yeah. And your hands would just get cut up. Um, yeah, travelled around with the gang. We had an indigenous lady or Aboriginal. Um, she would cook for us, um, and she was such a good cook. Couldn't speak a lick of English, um, and the and the guys, the the Australians, were so Australian. I couldn't even understand their slang. <laughs> I, I didn't even think that was a thing. So that was definitely an eye opener. Um, I farmed in Scotland for two years. Yeah. Um, and that that was incredible. That was very very different. Um, Is it all Highland cattle? No, we we did uh, like a Scottish Highland breed, yeah. blackface, and they were sworn to teeth with the horns. And we had a blue face Lester and Texel, and um, there were some Shirley cattle, I think. But no, so we farmed everything indoors yeah. during cold cold time, and I would mole trap as well. That was that was interesting. Um, Killing the little moles. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, is it much different to catching like stoats or possums or yeah, rats? Yeah, different. Well, because they they live under the ground yeah. and they're blind. Um, <laughs> and you'd see their mounds, like little dirt mounds, and you'd take a stick and carefully place it into the ground until you felt the tunnel and the and the stick would just go straight through. Yeah. And so you'd leave the stick there. So is that and the problem? Could, you could like break ankles and stuff. Well, it's it's more so the dirt mounds replace the grass. Right, yep. And so, you know, for any farmer that knows when grass has been taken by any pest, it's a real pain. Yeah. And I think the sheep would still dig their nose into the, the dirt mounds and get disease and, right. and sick, um, scabby nose and things like that. So moles weren't the biggest problem, but they were a problem. And so you'd, you used to hang your moles on the fence and the gameskeeper would come and count them. Yeah. And you get paid like eight pounds a mole 
sort of thing. It wasn't like you'd go all day mole hunting, but yeah. you, it would be one of those things that you kind of, like if you had time, you'd go off and do the mole mounds. Like, yeah. But, you know, you'd get a spade and you'd dig a square out of the tunnel, yeah. carefully lift the dirt out because they can smell the sunlight on the soil so you could be quick. And you put the mole trap in so that when the little fella comes running along, he gets, he gets caught. But you put the dirt back on so you close out the light. Yeah. Um, and then you'd come and ch- check them again um, the next day or something. But <laughs> Yeah. Poor moles. <laughs> no. Bully, bully, no, Scotland bully. was fantastic. Um, if anyone ever gets the chance to do some destination farming, um, definitely take the chance. Like, yeah. yeah, you don't have to be a farmer or know anything. You can get a job and go and experience it for three months, even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if I ever become a director at this place, if we got to work, we get a sabbatical, and that's probably my first sabbatical idea is go destination farm. Yeah, or maybe uh, go on one of the ultimate OE things, depending on what age I am. <laughs> And if the border's open. And if the border's open. Gosh. <laughs> Lose out. <No. laughs> yeah. Speaking of Lewis out, um, you talked about dive instructing in Thailand with Dave and, and yep. not being there particularly legally. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> You're a real lawbreaker. Aren't you? This is not painting a good picture. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, you, yeah, you said you got back from our bound and you're like, right, I want to be... Uh, Outdoor instructor. Like, you you had a passion for the ocean before that, or it was like no. Again, stumbled into it. It's funny how that works. Um, so I wanted to be an outdoor instructor, goal set, (laughs) and so I went and looked at what New Zealand had to offer that was close to where I was living at the time, and Dive HQ was doing a wilderness diploma, yeah, and that gave you an outdoor instructor's what. I did see kind of off to the side, but didn't take much notice of, was that you actually spent <laughs> most of your vision. time diving <laughs> and became a dive instructor, and I hated it. I remember my first dive, and I hated it. My instructor lost me. <laughs> it what, was horrible. In what way? Um, he, he's a, a big um, uh, ex-military dude, and his kick cycles, it wasn't his fault. Um, I was probably just floundering around and totally uncomfortable, um, totally foreign environment to me. Um, and he just kicked and I couldn't keep up. And in the I, ocean? Or, yep. Yep. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, great outfit. And um, we were diving, diving, diving all the time, uh, really early mornings, and all, all in Wellington. Yeah. And um, grew to love it. Yeah. Hated it, hated it, hated it, up until probably Dive Master, um, until I got some responsibility. Yeah. And then loved it. And then found that teaching was my jam um, and loved it even more. And so when I got to do it in a warm environment in Thailand um, and with different individuals every day, unless they had booked a longer course, um, I was working with like-minded people and there's something about being under the ocean. I've just recently got into free diving with some some Hawke's Bay mates actually as well and and, um, we'll be hopefully doing more of it in Northland. But um, the ocean is just... It's my peaceful place. It's quiet. You've got to have respect for it. Yeah. Um, and if you do respect it, it will respect you. And you can eat. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. can eat all the good things um, and hunt. Yeah. So it ticks all the boxes. Yeah, so on the respect thing, um, I didn't really realise this much 
until my brother talked about my aunts and uncles dive experiences but tell the uninformed about currents that you don't really think about <laughs> um yeah so currents currents in bali are insane um people go to bali for the current diving um currents need to be respected and if you're going to be doing it on purpose you need to be with professionals yeah but if you're yeah, if you're caught in one and you don't want to be, um, obviously try and swim um, just slowly out of it. Don't exert yourself. Um, or swim upwards, just gradually swim upwards. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been caught in currents and definitely puts the hairs up on your back. Um, but as as soon as you don't fight it and you, you can get out of it, it's when you fight it, panic, uh, you're doing all the wrong things. Yeah. So... Yeah. Use your oxygen faster. Ear. <laughs> Ear. <laughs> yeah. I'll get it right one time. Get the vernacular right. Um, and so, do you think, like, running long hours, you know, facing facing your little dark person on your shoulder and, and achieving a lot, um, like we talked about with outdoor education, like exposing yourself, not you know, having an out feeling, going, going through it all, and then same with diving, like almost exposing yourself to a pressure situation. Do you think that, you know, it's hard to know because it's your one life, but do you think that means that when it comes to your job and being exposed to the intense ship, you've kind of got a pretty good toolbox to, to maybe deal with it? Like you don't know what's going to happen in life, but so far, do you, are you feeling I good think about it? Through all my experiences, I've I've gained resilience. Yeah. Um. And I've been in enough interesting situations where the wrong move could kill me. Yeah. So I've really had to trust myself, trust my equipment, um, and slow down and think, and react in the right way um and so i've done that so many times that maybe i'm lucky enough now that um i do have a cool head in a sticky situation yeah um and i think anyone can gain that if you're willing to yeah um i guess i'm lucky because of what i've been exposed to in my life um that 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 becomes second nature for me. Yeah. Um, I guess it's that flight or fire response as well, um, <laughs> yeah. and what you'll do under pressure. And yeah. everyone's different. Yeah. Um, but it is something you can work on. Hundred percent. Yeah. Well, I I think so, and that's at work. Part of what we try to train people to do is try get better at, and that's just so they can read a book, but. Like, I guess for me, doing athletics and like really trying to, especially team sport, being in control whilst in pressure cooker, I, I know it can be done. And like hearing stories like you and like those people that I'm inspired by, I know it can be done. Mm. And so, yeah, I just, I wonder if that's kind of maybe the answer to some of this mental health stuff. Maybe we are. <laughs> Uh, too bloody comfy and I think people are scared of being uncomfortable yeah 
people don't want to feel uncomfortable, so won't put themselves in situations where they will feel uncomfortable. Which is also instinct. But also <laughs> don't see the benefits. So I think a lot of people think of the obligation, not the opportunity. Yeah. Um, that's Eric Thomas. That's not mine. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I listen to a lot of like as much Tony, as you could breathe. Yeah, Tony, yeah, Tony Rollins <laughs> and Eric Thomas and Les Brown and all those guys like. Um, anyway, um, so that's what I think whenever I face something, uh, what's the opportunity here, you know, um, yeah, I think people do just get too comfortable and, um, if they don't have the opportunity to be uncomfortable, they'll never grow, um, which is, is really unfortunate. And so I never try and push anything on anyone, um, or you should, you should never should on anyone. That's always you could, or you just lead by example. Um, and I think stay humble and just do you. Everyone's on their own journey. I think I said that in Dave's podcast, but I truly believe that. Like um, everyone's on their own journey. Don't don't judge anyone else. Um, be open minded. Be curious and put yourself in um, in a spot where you can grow. Yeah. However that looks, it doesn't need to be exercise. It doesn't need to be climbing mountains. It could be as simple as picking up a book or... <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like almost like finding the container to, you know, like you say, grow and expand. Yeah. And I like what you said, you sh- should never should. Um, yeah, so, someone was asking me about sauna and I was like, man, it sounds like everyone should do that. And I said, well, they could do that. I said, you know... Mm. There's lots of things. Should implies pressure. Yeah. Lots, there's lots, lots of things people could do, mm. but really it's about, you know, what are the things that you can, like, can and do. And not everything yeah. works. Yeah. What might work for me may not work for you. Yeah. And it's like um, these, these I'm, I'm telling people the reasons why I do it, you know, mm-hmm. and they sound like good reasons. Well, of course, that's why I'm doing it because yeah. I think they're a good reason. But that doesn't mean that everybody, as you say, should, should do it. And, like, just like, you know, not everybody should go run, run, uh, I think ultra, but if they can, you and, look and at all the people that you follow and you're interested in, you know, like they're leading by example. Yeah. They're, and I think that's all you can hope to do is pass the passion on because people are like, man, yeah. that Ryan O'Connor, <laughs> no. he's killing it. Like, I'm not. what is he doing? <laughs> they'll ch- they'll come to you and that's when you have that opportunity yeah. to, to not should, but you could <laughs> yeah. sort of, yeah. And then you're passing on the passion and you're better for it and they're better for it. Um, I always think like surround yourself and you started the podcast with it, with savages, but it's in all seriousness, if people that build you up, not bring you down, like yeah. take a look at the conversation around you. And if you don't like it, remove it. Um, the same goes with people in your life. You know, if, if they're not adding to your cup, but they're, you know, and they're taking from your cup, unfortunately kick them to the side you know, you only well, want... Call, call them out at least, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, life's too short. Yeah. Time is so precious. If, if anything, I've learned in my job um, oh, and your yeah. job, yeah, <laughs> and life in general is, is time is is your most precious commodity, mm. or however you'd like to say it. Yeah, and it sucks when you see it wasted. You just go, oh, I wish I could, could have, have met you, you know, 40 years ago or something like that. Man, man. Um, so we've just dropped a lot of cliche in the cliches because they're <laughs> all the same because they're, yeah. they're true but and they're good to have you know trickle around in your head 
um, especially friendly reminders. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> especially when you need to get out there and, and run yourself fifty k's, you need a few words of inspiration. But, exactly right. Um, do you have something that you you know you've listened to my podcast before that you yeah, lived your life by shows up all the time? Like a saying? No, or... a saying or a thing that like always shows up that you're like, well, yeah, that that happened. Or I was, I was true to that, or I was on, on path, or whatever. I always think whether I'm talking to someone, or if I'm eating a meal, or I'm about to do something, or I'm. I always think, am I being my best self for, for whatever the situation is? So, my, my big thing is if you feel better from having been around me, then I've done my job. And that's all that I could ever hope for. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the best way to explain. Yeah. Leave somebody feeling better from having been in your presence than prior. Yeah. And I think that makes the world a better place. Nice. So, at Hells underscore water, if you want some inspiration. <laughs> don't bug her too often because she might not be on there. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. But when, when she is, it's on. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, yesterday was 50. That was wicked. Yeah, feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. What did we do? Hour 15? Fantastic. Was it an hour 15? Too easy. That's, no, that's not even Joe Rogan styles. That's not even Joe Rogan styles. <laughs> the finance another log. <laughs> Sweet. Bloody love that. Improve the life of the person who's in your presence. Leave them feeling much better than they were before meeting you uh, all class and um yeah house is one of those person people that you spend a little bit of time with and have a good yarn with and uh yeah leaves leaves you feeling better throughout your day so absolute cracker it's how she tries to live her life and um from what i know and, and a couple of my mates know of her it's definitely how she impacts things so absolute champion and like i said check her out on instagram some of the shit she gets up to is absolutely awesome she's uh one of the people that's an absolute savage that <laughs> motivates me to get my pussy ass working and, and underway of course the podcast is brought to you by waikito w-a-i-k-e-t-0.p-a-u-v-i-t-n-o-w.com it's a tool i'm going to be using in this ultra marathon and especially as the training starts to really kick into gear i'm 14 k's now and uh already whew, not for the faint-hearted, that's for sure. Um, one of my other mates, Paddy Devon, he's also a savage. He's training for a marathon and he's ticking over the 20k mark now. Getting me excited. I think we're going to do 26k in the first weekend of September. That's going to be exciting. But yeah, exogenous ketones help you get into ketosis in under half an hour. Super helpful for endurance as well as protecting the brain in contact sports like rugby, uh, MMA, that sort of stuff. Um, Go to the website, check out the Exogenous Ketones. Also check out the 60-hour reboot if you're keen on doing some assisted fasting, dipping your toe in that massively effective and awesome tool, the fasting protocol. The S60 hours assisted with ketone salts, keto broth, and signal OS 10 hour repair, and a quick wee uh, keto protein to help you get back into that refeeding program. Um, awesome tool. Check it out on the website. It's in the show notes, which is in whatever app you're looking at right now. Scroll down to the details and there'll be Hal's links there, my links there and of course the links to Modern Pirate 
and Waikido. Check it out. Thanks for listening to another episode 155. We're tuning them out. We've got a couple in the can as well, so uh, the next few weeks are taken care of. Hope you enjoyed it. We'd love to hear from you, and have a great week. Cheers.